We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Week 17 is already upon us. That means it is time to go through the board. I am Nick Whalen, joined by John McKechnie. You're listening to the Sports Betting Edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Pod. John, uh, I know you're you're still in an undisclosed location, uh, some sort of well decorated dungeon. It appears well lit too. Uh, I, I know you were you're fresh out of the gym, just a lot going on. You're still traveling around the country, but how's the holiday been so far? Uh, it's it's been great. Um, let, let's see. I mean, Christmas Day. And, you, you know, anytime you get a full Sunday of Christmas Eve football, you're feeling good. And then um, went up to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania during the day on, on Monday to see some family for Christmas and then uh, made it back in time to, to watch the Ravens game with my father. And uh, boy, that was fun. I uh, did not expect that uh, really whatsoever. I, I thought that the Ravens were going to get killed. I, I guess as the day went on, when you're a fan, you kind of like, no, 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 wait, you know, but so yeah. I did, I did sprinkle a little bit on, on the Ravens to cover because it, it ended up getting up to like six and a half. And I was like, come on, that's, that's yeah. just rude. <clears throat> um, so that game was bananas. Um, and I told you uh, that, that I flew to Las Vegas on, on Tuesday night uh, <laughs> just so I could qualify for uh, like status on, on Delta. Cause I was, I was like really close, but I still needed like, a pretty uh, substantial flight to get out there. So uh, spent four and a half hours on Fremont street, just kind of <laughs> doing whatever. <laughs> and, uh, so and- I have a lot of questions about this and yes. you know, we're, we're going to have you, uh, you know, give you a full explanation on, on the Sirius XM show tonight, which I'm very much looking forward to, but uh, I'll be very clear here. I've never been close to obtaining any sort of status on any airline. So how, how does this work? Like you need to meet a certain number in the calendar year 2023, and then you achieve something for 2024. Like what were you, what were the basics of what you were trying to achieve? Yeah, that, that's the gist of it. You have from the start of the year for, from the 1st of, of January to December 31st to accrue X number of miles to get uh, whatever status. Uh, my, mine's not platinum or anything crazy like that, but um, uh, you know, I, I figured cause I live in Atlanta, like I only fly Delta for the most part. Uh, so it was, it was just something where I traveled a lot this year and it was like, all right, I'm, I'm knocking on the door here of, of getting status. That seems like something that would be cool to have. So I just kind of went for it a little like Christmas gift to myself to, to finish the drill and, and get there. So uh, now I get occasional upgrades to comfort plus and I can check my bags for free, baby. All right. That's big. If you're taking golf clubs anywhere, I'll tell mm-hmm. you that that's mm-hmm. uh, that that's been a thorn in my side for a long time. Um, 
All right, let's get to the board here, John, and we'll, we'll do All a quick right. review of, of the Circumillion contest last week. Uh, we'll talk about some of the games that we're leaning toward using this week as well. Two and three, John. Two and three last week. That's not what we were looking for. Uh, we, we took one on the chin with the 49ers. Uh, ended up ended up being kind of a nice like emotional hedge for you, I guess, I oh, suppose, yeah. in some ways, although it kind of backfired on us. But big of the Ravens to get the win. We'll talk about that game from both sides when we break down uh, each of those matchups this week. Uh, we also lost on Buffalo. That one, that one was shocking to me. Uh, you know, maybe not shocking that they didn't cover a huge number, but shocking in just the way that game played out. And you know, it felt like it was just this very low-stress game-winning field goal at the end. Like there was really no doubt to me that Buffalo was going to win the game, uh, but I couldn't believe how flat they came out in that spot. And you know, credit to the Chargers defense more than anything for keeping them in that game. So, question for you on on that one: Did you have any hubbub with, with it being on Peacock? Like, were you able to like perform technological wizardry in front of your family? I was. I was. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I was actually at my my sister's place on the north side of Milwaukee and she happened to have Peacock. So like I was ready. You know, I'm like, all right, we got to get everything laid out here. Let's get the passwords in order. I don't want I don't want any hullabaloo uh, when no. this is going on. I want to get there. I want to get the game on. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have Peacock. It's right here. Boom. So my sister is not a sports fan at all. I don't think she got it so she could watch Bill's Chargers. Uh, I don't I don't believe that was the goal, but yeah, we had no issues. We had no issues at all. Um, you know, no problem catching the end of that that Cincy uh, Pittsburgh game either. Uh, it was a pretty good tech weekend for me overall. That's um, you know, I've been I've been working through uh, with with my dad how to use a fire stick, which is like the most yeah. intuitive thing you could possibly use, and yet for him it is like uh, that's a ten year the, process. The yeah, I'm gonna have to like write down a cheat sheet for him before I head back to Georgia because <laughs> it is just a confounding piece of technology for for a man who was born in 1961. Um, all right, we'll wrap up. You know, our our, our licking our wounds at the circuit contest real quick. We we also lost on Dallas. Um, I don't I still I don't feel bad about that one. Dallas should have won that game. You know, you fumble the ball yes. on the one yard line. You're trying to. You're getting cute. You're hot dogging it with a fullback at the one yard line. And look, you mess with the bull, you get the horns in that scenario. Uh, our two wins came on the Detroit Lions. That was a little dicier than it needed to be. Uh, needed the interception raid offense by Minnesota to come out, including a late one that sealed it after they picked up a third and 27. Uh, that basically should have ended the game. Uh, but we, we won on Detroit uh, and then we won pretty comfortably on the Cleveland Browns as well, which was, I, you know, easy to say in retrospect, John. I feel like that was our strongest lean of the week. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I mean, I mean, no Stroud. The way that the Browns have been playing, um, you know, since going to to Joe Flacco has been. Those guys are pretty serious. Like, I, in my heart of hearts, I'm very, very scared of them as far as a, an AFC yeah. uh, dark horse. And and I, I tweeted it out. Uh, I think during during the game on Sunday, like I, I put down on the Browns to win the AFC after they beat Baltimore uh, in November. And then Deshaun Watson got rolled out for the season a day after I placed that bet. I feel better about that now than I did when I placed it. Well, I wanted to ask you about that. I'm glad you brought up, you know, Super Bowl bets because, you know, we can bet the 49ers at plus 225. We can bet the Ravens at plus 350. You know, teams like Miami, Philly, KC, they're hanging around 8-1. to one. Dallas, Buffalo, Detroit, you know, 10, 12, 17-1. If you were to lay down a long shot Super Bowl bet, is there a team that jumps out to you? Because I, I'm still not ready to jump off the Niners. You know, and again, we'll talk about them and, and what last week's game meant. I still think they're the kingpin team to me in the NFC. But I, I think last week showed that nobody's impenetrable. You know, certainly Baltimore has had its its warts at times this season as well. Like, is the field truly open for a team like Cleveland at 45 to one? For I don't know the Rams at 70 to one. 
Yes, I really do think so, actually. I, um, I think the AFC is more wide open. I think despite what happened to San Francisco on Monday, I'll be shocked if they don't win the NFC. Um, I, I just I think that Philadelphia and, and Dallas are too flawed in, in certain ways to, to beat the Niners. Uh, I know the Niners beat both of those teams. It's hard to beat teams twice, yada, yada, yada. But this Niners team's a wagon. I think it says a lot that um, their, their Super Bowl odds barely moved after after getting beat pretty soundly on Monday night. So um, the NFC to me is cinched up. The AFC is wide open, though. I mean, as good as the Ravens have been, I you know maybe it's PTSD for, from 2019, but um, I I could see them losing to any yeah. of the, of the teams in the AFC field. I think the trendy pick would, would be Buffalo, just the way that they've played over the last three or so weeks, and looking more like the team that a lot of people expected coming into the year. But with the odds, like the Browns, like it's not just Flacco. Like the the defense is nasty that they, they just needed an offense and they they've been able to open up the passing game. They have legitimate pass catching talent. Amari Cooper is like obviously reaching levels unseen from, from him before, but I mean, we know he's in, in like a you know, top notch uh, receiver, David Njoku having uh, the best season of his career. I think complimentary pieces like Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman um, are really, you know, quality players to have out there. And they're, they're big. Like I, I feel like there's like a bully, nature to, to the Browns offense. I know that they, they've had key injuries on the offensive line. Uh, you know, Jedrick Wills, um, the guy from earlier this season, is, his name's escaping me, but they've found a way to to get to this point. And they are playing like as, with a sort of freedom. And like they're they're not worried about having like the crushing weight of expectations. Like you could kind of feel what was weighing on the Chiefs or the Bills, right. that type of thing. It's like, we're here. We're not totally sure how, but we are. And we're just going to keep going, baby. And you yeah. know, I you know, we record this before their game tonight against the Jets. I think they're going to crush the Jets. Yep, I think so too. And look, I think that the version of the Browns that we're going to see in the playoffs is going to be better than the version of the Browns that we've seen over the second half of the season because they're so banged up. Like that to me is what's been most impressive. And I know a lot has been made of the you know home road splits for that defense, and that's it's a concern. They're pretty stark, but you know they're without both of their starting safeties right now. Grant Delpit is on IR. You know, Miles Garrett has not been 100% for a few weeks. Their kicker and punter are both injured right now. They have a, a ton of offensive linemen who are banged up. You mentioned Jedrick Wills. Jack Conklin, uh, I assume, is the name that you were, you were searching for earlier. Both of those guys are on IR. And, you know, some of these guys are coming back. Some aren't. Obviously, they lost Nick Chubb earlier in the season. That's probably the biggest one other than Deshaun Watson. Um, but, you know, they, they've kind of been rolling through a lot of these teams and, and finding ways to win despite not being at 100%. So, you know, are we sitting here saying, yes, the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl? No, but at 45 to one, I, I, I agree with you. I think that is the best value bet. And I like how their path is also lining up. You know, if, if they if they take care of business, uh, even relatively speaking, over the next couple of weeks, they're looking at the five seed. And that means you're getting Jacksonville or Houston or Indy in the first round of the playoffs. I, I think they're beating any of those teams. And from there on, who knows? They've already beat the Baltimore Ravens, like you said. I, I mean, Miami, a team that can be beaten by just about anybody, especially a team with a good defense. Dolphins have plenty of injuries in their own right, and you know they're a fragile team that seems like they lose somebody important early on every single week. I don't think anybody's really scared of Kansas City at this point. And you know, we'll talk about Buffalo in a moment, but you know they're, they're playing well. They're they're seemingly peaking at the right time, but I, I don't think anybody views that team as a wagon. So. Yeah, if, if you're looking for a long shot, I would target the AFC. I certainly would not bet the Jags at 35 to one. I don't even know if I take nope. it to make the playoffs right now at 35 to one, <laughs> let alone win the, the freaking Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, th those are the, that's the one for me. And then I, I think the Rams and the NFC are interesting. Like you said, if they run into San Francisco 
I, I don't see that matchup going well. But, you know, as always, you're one injury away in that type of situation. And, you know, right now they would match up with Detroit in round one. I, I think that's a winnable game for the Rams. I, I really worry about that Detroit defense. Yeah, I, poor Detroit fans. Like, they, uh, you know, getting their first division title since, what, the Kennedy administration, and then uh, to have it go, go where you lose to, like, the, your former, you know, promised one, uh, Matthew Stafford, in, in the in the uh, first home playoff game in forever. Ugh, that but it feels like it's setting up that way. The Rams, yeah. uh, I think that they're just, it doesn't always work this way as far as like winning the Super Bowl or anything, but it can work for, for getting uh, a little bit of a run going in the playoffs. And that that's just, their offense is awesome. I mean, it's so varied. Um, you have such a, an explosive uh, top two at receiver. Kyron Williams is playing it. Like there's nothing in his prospect profile that suggests he should be nearly this good. So, <laughs> I've just come to the conclusion that he just has the dog in him like more than almost anybody because it not, nothing yeah. makes sense as far as the measurables are concerned. Yeah, extremely high dog score for Kyrie Williams right now. And looking forward to, to talking about that Rams-Giants game uh, later this weekend. But let's get to the board here, John. And yes. we will begin with the Lions and the Cowboys. Fun game. Uh, we do not have a Monday night game this week. They're, they're getting out of the way. Uh, for college football, but we do have a Saturday game. Uh, it is Saturday night, 8-15 Eastern. Lions on the road at Dallas. We are seeing the Cowboys as five-and-a-half-point favorites right now at the DraftKings Sportsbook. High total, as you would expect. Uh, this one's sitting at 53-and-a-half. Uh, again, the line is five-and-a-half at DraftKings. It did lock at five in the circuit contest. Is one one side or the other calling your name? I'm I'm a bit confused as to the line movement. Because this was six and a half earlier this week, and I like what? Dallas at six and a half. So, um, you know, barring some sort of uh, gi- gigantic injury that I'm un- unaware of on-, on the Dallas side, I think their their offensive line might be a little bit dinged up. But yeah. I mean, it's a pretty toothless pass rush that that the Lions have. So I'm not overly concerned about a uh, an Adrian Claiborne six sack game like, like he like he had for the Falcons against. Uh, the Tyron Smith less yeah. uh, Dallas. I don't know why that is such a random game to be seared into my memory, but it was like 2018 and Dak was just getting eaten alive. Yeah. Um, but uh, beyond that Cowboys are, they're at home. They've lost two, two straight and in, in pretty tough fashion, you know, uh, blowout. And then the close loss, I would not want to be the lions this weekend. No, I, you know, initially when I saw this one at, like you said, six, six and a half earlier in the week, I'm like, man, that, that seems like a little much. I, I think the Lions are going to be able to score and the Lions could run the ball as consistently as any team in the league. And that even in games where they've struggled, like that's always been there. You know, it feels like they're always getting to like at least 140 yards. And I, I think in general, that gives you a pretty high floor as an offense. I mean, even this past week, it didn't feel like they played that well. They still got to 30 on a good Minnesota defense that, that had been playing very well over the last few weeks. But at the same time, I mean, very concerning the amount of points, the amount of yards that they're giving up. I mean, I, I think with with even like average quarterback play last week, the Lions lose that game in Minnesota. I mean, Nick Mullins threw four picks and he threw for yeah. 411 yards on 22 completions. The Vikings had six different players with a reception of at least 20 yards, right? I mean, I, that, that's kind of who Detroit has been. They're not getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson back this week. I think that was the initial hope. They'll look forward to, to maybe getting him back in week 18 or certainly at some point in the postseason, but I, I think as far as like a, a bounce back game against a good playoff caliber team in the lions goes, I, I think this is a very good spot for the Dallas offense to get back on track at home. Yes. So, I mean, pending how we're feeling about the rest of the board, like I do like Dallas at this number uh, for this weekend. If, like you said, locked at five, 
gonna be hard to leave that one off potentially. Yeah, I got some Dak numbers to throw at you. He is 22 and 10 against the spread where the number moves in his favor. And I know it's come down from where it was, but it initially opened at three and a half. Um, and obviously it's higher than that now. So that applies 22 and 10 against the spread when things are moving in Dallas's favor. 18, 9, and 1 against the spread as a favorite at night, including 10 and 1 over the last three seasons. Dallas 12 and 3 against the spread overall in their last 15 home games. So you know, both Dallas and Miami, I feel like, are, are still you know searching for that prove-it win on the road, and they're running out of time to get it, and they probably won't before the, the postseason begins. Um, but Dallas is cleaned up at home, man, and I think this is a good spot. I mean, the Cowboys losing three in a row. I, I just don't think that's happening. So I think we, we both side with the Cowboys on this one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Let's go to Dolphins Ravens, your mm -hmm. team. Ravens coming back all the way across the country, back to Maryland. They are three-point favorites for the Miami Dolphins. Our total is at 47. Are we concerned about any letdown potential? I, I think that could maybe apply to both sides here. Uh, obviously, Miami coming off of a big win against the Cowboys. Ravens coming off of that big win against San Francisco. Lamar, 27-10 and 10 straight up as a home favorite. But he is just 14-23 and 23 against the spread in those games. My my thinking is this is a narrow enough spread that if you think the Ravens are going to win, I, I'm comfortable taking them minus three. But what say you? Bingo. I, I think that that was that was the key thing because there's been some times where Lamar's been asked to cover nine and a half, ten and a half, and and so on, and you know they 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 just end up winning by a touchdown or something. But but uh, more than a field goal is all we're asking for here. You know what do we always say about Miami this time of year? Like having to go north and and uh, you know so you're concerned about that. They have a slight rest advantage, but they just played a total like meat grinder of a game against the Cowboys. A little beat up that in that sense. Um, I, I know that the backfield might not be at at a hundred percent. If you turn this into you know a one dimensional thing, like you would think in Miami's case, like oh that I mean that works to their favor uh, because that just means more throws to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. But if you are one dimensional, like I think we've reached a point where like Mike McDonald, the the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, like. He's going to he's going to snuff that out and like, you know, make it make it hurt for, for Tua and the pass rush. Uh, 
for Baltimore is so lively. I don't know how they're doing it exactly, but you know, 11 and a half, at least sacks for, for the defensive tackle, Justin Matabike, the, the ghost of Jadeveon Clowney and, and Kyle Van Noy playing at this level. It's, it's crazy how they're getting it done, but they are Kyle Hamilton. We'll have to see if he plays, if he doesn't, that definitely um, is a, is a big weak link incoming for, for that uh, secondary. Although, mm-hmm. Marcus Williams and Geno Stone is not a bad safety combination. You don't have the same flexibility without Hamilton, but it's fine. Um, but, you know, the corners are going to have to play well for Baltimore, but I think the pass rush gets home enough. I think that the home crowd, knowing what's on the line with the number one seed in the AFC, um, this is going to be – I would be surprised if, if the Dolphins win this one. And, therefore, if I like the Ravens, I, I definitely like the Ravens by more than a field goal in this one. That's where I'm going. Dolphins O-line is banged up. They got two starters on IR. You know, Austin Jackson, Teron Armstead, both tackles are on the injury report. I think both are probably trending in the right direction, but won't be 100%. I I think the biggest one for me, you know, the Dolphins have a ton of key players on the injury report. First of all, Tua has been limited all week. I I don't think he's in any danger of not playing, but could be less than 100%. Raheem Boster did not practice at all today. Didn't practice yesterday either. That's going to be one to monitor very closely. Devon Achan was limited today. Tyreek Hill you know, it seems like they're more just kind of taking them along slowly, but he's been limited throughout the week. I don't think Jalen Waddle's playing in this game, man. Um, you know, there's a report from Adam Schefter uh, earlier today that he is trending toward an absence. And obviously we worry mostly about Tyreek Hill when we're talking about these Miami pass catchers. But I, I think having those two out there, that's what makes the Dolphins the Dolphins when that offense is rolling. And you take away Jalen Waddle in a game like this, you know, um, you know, it, it runs somewhat counter, but also in line to my thinking with San Francisco last week was, you know, Man, this is a game where Baltimore is going to need Keaton Mitchell, and they're going to need Mark Andrews. And obviously that was not the case because Brock Purdy threw four interceptions and just handed the ball to the Ravens over and over. Uh, But to me, this is a game where if you're going to go on the road and beat the best team in the NFL right now, you need Jalen Waddle, right? And I think that is a a pretty huge loss for the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, you know, a team that has struggled on the road all season. Miami is 2-11 and straight up as a road dog in their last 13 games. Tua has lost seven of his last nine. As a road dog straight up, he's two and eight straight up, three, six and one against the number on the road against teams over 500. Dolphins are failing to cover those games by almost 10 points. Yeah, those are good numbers that you threw out there, a lot of them. And uh, I'm thinking through them, that sounds bad for the Dolphins. Those are not positive uh, trends necessarily. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure it gets bucked against the team that, right, for this exact moment, it is probably the best team in the NFL. I don't, I still don't know if the Ravens are going to do it all, but, um, Right now, I think this is it. This this plays well, or this sets up well for for Baltimore. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad for for me that this didn't get flexed until to eight thirty or whatever. Yeah. So it'd be like ending right at right at New Year's. Not that I'm even doing anything for New Year's. I'm so washed up. <laughs> I know I'm in the same boat. I, I have like a, a couple couple offers out there, and it's like I don't know, man. Like one of one of my buddies is like, do you just want to go sit at the sports book in Milwaukee and, and watch football? I was like. To be honest, that's exactly what I want to do. I, I don't, I don't leader really in the like, clubhouse. Yeah. Like last year was one of those like 3.30 a.m. mornings in Chicago. I was like, I, I only have so many of those left in me, like lifetime, maybe like one or two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we don't get like the the extra buffer of January 2nd being off. So, I mean, right. it's like, I don't know if I can go I full send into a Monday. I got to do a recap pod uh, on New Year's Day. I'm like, I, I can't sign up for that. No quite. I mean, especially without a Monday night game. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, for our, our, our viewers watching live, um, you know, I felt like I should address this. I'm using corded headphones. Something happened, John. Came back from like I was gone for a few days over Christmas, like traversing the state of Wisconsin. And I had a funeral to go to. Like I was all over the place. 
came back yesterday uh, to do some some audio video stuff for us to work. Opened up my AirPods case. There's only one AirPod in here. I don't know what happened to my left AirPod. It's gone. Can't find it. You know, you try to use the Find My app. So for the time being, uh, I'm going back to like 2019. I'm, I'm a corded headphone guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, usually I'm the one with the embarrassing headphones. I got this sort of like, I don't know, like it, these feel like the headphone equivalent of like wearing the rec specs at the Y yeah, or something. Like but headphones. Yeah, honestly, like they, I don't think even Skull Candy makes these. Like these are, these are some. Okay. <laughs> Skull Candy was a premier brand for a while. All right. It like, really was. Like end of high school, I was like, dude, you got Skull Candies? Damn. Yeah. Like, oh, nine. Like th- this guy is listening to, to Kanye West graduation album like really <laughs> nicely. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. a little slice of humble pie uh, yep. served to you visually there. I was wearing these bad Larry's at the gym this morning and there was a guy who was wearing pretty much the exact headphones that you're wearing. And, you know, I, I was listening to a pod, so it wasn't music, but still, you know, I, I don't have great ears. I was listening pretty loud. This guy was like a good 10 feet away from me. Could completely hear everything he was listening to. It was some sort of like Avenged Sevenfold type of hard rock. I'm like, on those, I mean, you know, loud, that has to be for someone with air, like, what do you call these ear pods or whatever in listening to something else. And I could clearly hear somebody else's music from 10 feet away. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, he was he was tapping into a level there. I mean, obviously, if you're if you're listening to to A7X that loud, yeah. I mean, th- those twenty five pound curls, baby, uh, that they, they're just gonna feel like nothing. Yeah. I don't want to expose this guy. He was wearing a cut off sweatshirt, you know, kind of like a, a sleeveless hoodie, and had oh. a full arm spiderweb tattoo. So, the, the, wasn't somebody not was the guy. This is not the guy that was drinking the Cayman Jack in the in the locker room, was he? <laughs> no, different guy. Uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter, maybe you saw this a few weeks ago. I, I always go in the hot tub at the gym when I'm done, you know, just kind of relax. I especially like to do this on NFL Sunday mornings. Go to the gym early, you know, get a nice sweat in, sit in the tub, you know, put some DFS lineups in, work on some of my bets. And yeah, a guy, like a middle-aged man, probably 45, 50 years old, came in, uh, with, wore, he was wearing pants in the hot tub, got in the, in the hot tub with pants. <laughs> Uh, was wearing like a towel in almost a turban-like fashion. This is a white man um, with a hat on, and then cracks a, a limerita. A limerita. <laughs> this is a public gym. This is not like some swanky private gym. This is the Wisconsin Athletic Club in Milwaukee, uh, <laughs> and was just drinking a margarita in the hot tub. God, so much respect to that guy. That guy, <laughs> what his life was leading to that moment. He, he's yeah. like, you know what? I've I've done enough. They can't tell me I can't have a dang right. margarita in the jacuzzi. Yeah, I we, I didn't say anything to him, but we exchanged kind of a knowing glance, like, you know, mutual respect. Right on, brother. All right, let's get to Patriots-Bills. Bills now uh, big favorites for the second week in a row. They, of course, were not able to cover on the road against the Chargers last week. John, we we talked on this show last Thursday about, you know, is there a post-Staley bounce for the Chargers? And my stance was no. I was like, I, I think it's it's the type of situation where there should be a bounce. You know, coach that probably was not very popular in the locker room, felt like he was hamstringing the team. He's fired. Normally you'd get a bounce, but my stance was, look, it's Easton stick. You don't have Keenan Allen. You don't have Mike Williams. Like what bounce is coming. The bounce was at the LA chargers defense showed up. Yes, it, it is on paper, you know, still a, a decent unit and yeah, they, they absolutely showed up against the bills, but in uh, the Patriots, you know, they, they could cause similar problems. The Patriots, you know, they beat the bills uh, straight up in, in Foxborough earlier this year. So, I mean, th- there's something to be said for that. Uh, this is going to be in Buffalo. I think it's it's definitely reasonable to to be a little bit more leery of Buffalo after not covering the the big number last week. 
I think it. I think it's probably the the way to go is to buy back in and and say that they they uh, do this by by two touchdowns. Just keep the pressure on the Dolphins uh, at the top of the division. And um, yeah, I, th- I think yeah, you got Gabe Davis going last week. Stephon Diggs has been dormant for a while. One, I wonder if this is the spot that he gets back going. James Cook, as long as he doesn't fumble, you know, is is you know one of the better running backs going in in the NFL right now, which is crazy. Uh, Josh Allen playing at a high level. So, I mean, I, I, you know, that I think the Patriots winning last week says more about the Broncos than it does about them necessarily. Uh, I'm not sure that the Patriot, I think the, the Bailey Zappi disaster class might be, might be incoming here. Stefan Diggs, by the way, last nine games. I mean, this is not like a three game sample we're talking about. This is like, you know, more than half of the season. He's averaging 5.2 catches and 50 yards a game over the last nine. I mean, it, it's, it's been bizarre, right? It's really been the running game for Buffalo. Excuse me. That has willed them back into the season. And, and like you said, you got Gabe Davis going last week. He kind of felt like that explosion game was coming, you know, after back-to-back goose eggs, but um, you know, Buffalo making this turnaround seemingly without Stefan Diggs has been one of the weird uh, kind of undercurrents of this season. I'm with you. I, I, I don't know if I trust new England here. I, I think, this has not been a team that's been able to string consecutive positive performances together really whatsoever this season. Um, you know, they've, they've found kind of a higher baseline level of competency over the last few weeks. I still don't trust it. And, you know, part of the reason that I was on Denver last week, I didn't feel great about it, but I was like, it, it, New England's smarter than this, right? They, they, they know it's a bad idea to win this game. Are they really going to knock themselves out of a top three pick? Well, they did it. And if, if they win this game, and I'm not saying they will, I don't think they're going to win. Uh, it's not like a cover really impacts your draft status, but I mean, they could, they could fall all the way down to like the seventh or the eighth pick if they're not careful. So uh, I, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, they just throw this game to the wind and say, you know, screw it. We're, we'll, we'll lose by 40, but I, I, I don't, I, I think this kind of feels like a spot where Buffalo should be able to take care of business, you know, exercise some demons from the past decade, take it out on new England. It does feel like they've, they've kind of brought it a little extra against the Patriots these last couple of years. Yeah. R- rub it in for, for the times in which, you know, Tom, Tom Brady and, and company were, you know, just absolutely yeah. taking them the woodshed twice. Twi- <laughs> oh, oh, t- or um, you know, I can't, I can't even remember that. Uh, Drew Stanton was he there? No, different I, guy. I mean, could have been literally anybody, dude. Rob Johnson. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, he had a soul patch. I, I got a little soul patch coming in, but um, let's see. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, you don't often mention Lovey Smith and Bill Belichick in the same breath as coaches, but. What if Bill takes a little page out of Lovey's playbook and wins a wins a game that the team and the franchise do not want to win on his way out? It wouldn't be this one; it'd be it'd be next week, of course. But I could see Bill screwing up their draft select, draft spot one more time and then hit, hitting the road for for greener pastures. Yeah, we, we might have to do like a pre lock uh, pre lock of the week for Week 18 on the Patriots beating the Jets yes. because I, I actually I love that little narrative angle. Uh, All right, let's go to Falcons-Bears. This one's in Chicago. Bears are three-point favorites. Expectedly low total uh, at 38. Conditions in Chicago should favor the Bears. It's not going to be bitter cold, but should be windy. Might get some precipitation rolling through the upper Midwest as well. Uh, This is now the 15th, or excuse me, 16th game in a row uh, where the Falcons line uh, will in all likelihood close at four or lower, which, you know, we've been saying all year, it feels like every Falcons game is a true 50-50. The line would essentially imply that as well. I don't know what to make of the Falcons. I continue to pick them wrong every single week. I, I went against them last week. Obviously, they show up and then blow out the Indianapolis Colts. 
They've played very few good teams. Feels like every week they're matched up against a team that's kind of in their zone. Uh, I will say they are 5-13-1 against the spread following a straight-up win in the illustrious Arthur Smith era. They're 1-5 ATS in those spots this season. And you know, I saw a good stat on Chicago. The Bears have led or tied in 10 of 15 games this season entering the fourth quarter. They're not terrible to um, you know borrow from our, our podcast colleague, Big Cat, right? Um, He's he's been saying it for for like a month now. The Bears aren't terrible. No, they're not bad. And uh, you know they they almost beat Cleveland a couple weeks ago. We we knew or you know we had the dread in the fourth quarter. It's like uh, they're not holding this lead. But you know last week they they looked good. I think you know this is another good spot for them at, at home. And the the decision for what they're going to do with their uh, you know Panthers pick continues to get more interesting with each good Justin Fields performance. But I'm expecting right. another one here. So give me the Bears. I'm on the Bears as well. I don't have a lot to say. I, I think this is just a this is the spot that we've seen Atlanta come up short in time and time again this season, right? You know, every time it feels like, all right, you know, maybe this is the week they've you know, they maybe figured something out. They fall right back down, and I, I think Chicago's defense is built to stop a team like Atlanta, right? I mean, they have they've been number two in defensive EPA since midseason, and it, it's it's felt like they've improved. It hasn't felt like they've improved to that level, but the run defense has been fantastic. And look, if you can stop the run against Atlanta. That's like 95% of the battle. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it is going to be Chicago in, in the weather. So uh, I'm not putting uh, Taylor Heineke on on check the hand size watch. But, um, you know, the, you don't expect this to be a particularly uh, good game through the air mm-hmm. for Atlanta. But, you know, if they're kind of forced into that one dimensional type of approach. Um, and I, I think, yeah, now the, the Bears, I think, are going to be able to do almost anything that they want on offense. Uh, I know that the Falcons ha- have had a solid defense over the course of the year. Jesse Bates playing at an all pro level, AJ Terrell uh, good, but you just get the plays away from those guys. And I think you're, you're in business. So I, I give me the bears here. Yeah. One thing to watch on the Chicago side, Cole Komet, uh, he has not practiced all week, been dealing with the knee injury. So, you know, could be down uh, one of the better tight ends in the NFL, but that that's not enough to sway me away from the bears. I think we're in agreement. And Mercedes Lewis scored a touchdown last week. Right. So, <laughs> I was so I didn't know that he was on the Bears. I was like, "That's not Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. Who is that?" Yeah, I've I've had a few of those moments this season. No question about that. I, I went through that in the NBA with Dante Exum. He's been like really good over the last couple of weeks for the Mavs. And I was like, "Yeah, I, I guess I guess I knew he was on the team. I, I kind of thought he was like hanging out in the G League or on like a two way contract." I did not realize that he was like, "All right, Kyrie Irving, he's out. Dante, let's go. Thirty minutes a night." Um, but yeah, I, I had that moment with Jimmy Graham earlier this season as well. Like he had that. Did he have two touchdowns a couple weeks ago. He he did, and he had one that set up a touchdown that was absolutely sick, like going yeah. up between like three three. Uh, yeah, it was the interception. It should have been an interception. And he just, he comes down with it because at the end of the day, Jimmy Graham is still like six seven. Yeah, and get up a little bit. Good for Basketball him. Basketball player. People forget. <laughs> Titans Texans, somewhat fun game in the AFC South. Will be exponentially more fun because CJ Stroud will be back in the mix after missing the last two games for Houston. He was back on the practice field today, talked to the media. Everything seems like it's checking out for C.J. Stroud. This number sitting at five and a half in favor of the Texans. That's up a couple points from earlier in the week when Stroud's status was a bit more cloudy. Uh, total sitting at 43 and a half. I don't want to oversimplify this one, John, but we saw the Texans with Case Keenum play a pretty terrible game and still win in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. One out of a long field goal by Fairbairn. If they could beat the Titans on the road, they got they sacked Will Levis seven times. They injured him in but in that game. If they could beat him with Case Keenum, I think they could beat him by at least six at home with CJ Stroud. What say you? Uh, I'm of a of a similar line of thinking. And I, I think also by virtue of Houston winning that game, 
they should be able to get those Oilers jerseys back. They should. And they should should wear them this week. Um, Damn it. It is galling to me that Tennessee did that and they deserved to lose as a result. But even if Levis is back, um, it's way... Yes, so it's a much, it's still a much bigger deal that, that Stroud's back for for Houston. That that offense uh, is so much different looking with, with him back there. Um, I, I think this is a good spot for for Houston. Tennessee traditionally hasn't been good on on the road. I mean that that Miami game aside, like really, um, they they do tend to struggle away from Nashville. To, uh, Houston already beat them in Nashville with Case Keenum, like we said. So it it, it almost feels too easy. To where it's like, yeah. do do we want to expose ourselves to this for for fear of you know something goofy happening? But you know, just uh, objectively, w- without my like gambling superstitions uh, cr- crawling all over the place, I'd say Houston gets this one done. Yeah, you worry about the goofy, you worry about the wacky uh, in a game like this, and you know that that Jets game is still in the back of my mind, right? Yeah, you know, that was the last time we saw CJ Stroud, and uh, Houston could do anything against the Jets. Now, the Jets are not the Titans by any means. Um, and, and really, the Houston defense, I think, has shown up for the most part uh, you know, over these last few weeks. Kind of got pummeled by by Cleveland last week, but that was a game that got out of hand early. And you know, once once Davis Mills was in the game, yeah, you, know, you just kind of knew it was headed a certain way. You know, they completely shut down Derrick Henry two weeks ago, and I I, I do wonder can they have that same success? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to carry the ball. What was it like, fourteen carries for nine yards or something like that? Like he'll he'll do yes. better than that. But uh, again, if you can if you can just keep Derrick Henry under like sixty yards in this game. I love Houston, you know, to, to win by at least six. And again, it's at home. It's still an extremely meaningful game for Houston. Like I, I think the Jags could lose straight up to Carolina. I think that's in the cards. The Jags could certainly lose in week 18 to Tennessee. So Houston has plenty to play for. Tennessee has nothing to play for. If anything, the Titans should want to lose this game for draft position purposes. And I don't think going from Tannehill back to Levis, that's not, it's not really a plus for me. That's a net neutral. Yeah. It, it, that's about what it, what it is. Uh, I, I will say like go, going into next year and beyond like a, Levis has at least piqued my interest, sure. but um, for, for this week, mm-mm, mm-mm, Houston. Raiders are on the road at the Indianapolis Colts. John, this was the Nick Whalen stay away of the week in my beating the book column. I want nothing to do with this one. I don't mind the Raiders at three and a half because when I wrote it up, it was Raiders plus three. And I, I think the hook could come into play here, but the Colts, man, I, I just, I, you know, they're, they're in the Atlanta zone for me. They're like a fun version of the Falcons. Like you just have no idea what you're going to get week to week when, when you're facing the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, just over, over the last five weeks, they've run the gamut of like every possible result, right? Like they, they beat what looks like a pretty good Tampa Bay team. That's a nice win. You barely beat the Tennessee Titans in like a shootout game where the Titans never played shootouts. You get blown out by Jake Browning, you blow out the Steelers, and then you get blown out by the Falcons. Like what, what do we make of that? It. It, like you said, you, you just simply don't know. They are the the fun AFC version uh, of the Falcons. I mean, they, they're they're so confounding. Like if you look at the the trends, you know, like they're they're over five hundred against the spread both at home and on the road. Uh, the Steelers game was super impressive a couple weeks back, and then they, you know, we we were talking about it during the show last week. It's like what what on earth is happened to where the Falcons are favored going into this one and the, all the money was pouring in on the Falcons. And, you know, that ended up being the, the result that it was. And that was very surprising to me. Uh, I might be, and I'm trying to catch myself, like not overreacting too much to what the Raiders did on, on Monday, going into Arrowhead as double digit dogs and winning that one outright. But maybe that this is the start of the the Raiders, like Antonio Pierce, like that 
they all of a sudden like imagine if the Raiders had competent coaching like right when was the last time that we had that I don't know but either way I think they have it now um I, I think Steichen's a great coach on, on the other side but I, three in the hook I'm interested in the Raiders I have mild interest in the Raiders and this is this is a big game for both teams right I mean the Colts right now have the tiebreaker over Houston and you know if the Jags are to falter the Colts are first in line to snag the AFC South so motivationally I, you know, I, I don't really think there's an edge here. The Raiders are, are seven and eight. They can still play their way into the wild card. They could technically still win the division if Kansas City's free fall continues. I wouldn't count on that, but the Raiders are, are not not left for dead here quite yet. Um, but I, I just, I can't trust the Colts. I can't trust the Colts. And, you know, I think we do need to keep in mind that the Raiders defense single-handedly won that game against the Chiefs. And, you know, I'm just kind of throwing out the Chargers game. Like when you score zero points one week and 63 the next week, those those cancel out to me. Uh, I don't know what what math term that is, but um, we're, we're, you know neither of those games I feel like are, are the true reflection of the Raiders. But what does worry me is like if if the Colts put up twenty three plus points, which they've done pretty easily, uh, you know, for much of this season, can the Raiders keep up? Because I, I don't know if you can rely on like a walk in defensive touchdown at the five yard line when Isaiah Pacheco drops the ball and then a pick six on the next play, right? I mean, maybe you get one or the other uh, against Gardner Minshew, but can the can the Raiders score enough? Is my only question. They did score 63 the week prior. They did. Um, so, um, you know, they, they have the down week the following week, and then it comes back up. Maybe they score 50. No, but um, yeah, the, it's hard to back Aiden O'Connell. A bit of a homecoming game for him, though, mind you, going back to Indiana. But yeah. um, I, I think, they, I mean, it's not an, a horrendous group of skill possession talent. I think it, it hurts if, uh, if Josh Jacobs is out, but he hasn't really – even when he's been out there this year, he hasn't been, you know, even close to what he was a year ago. I thought Samir, Samir White ran pretty well uh, last week. So I think run game should be fine. The defense puts the clamps on, on Indianapolis just a little bit, keeps them around that key number, 23. I think the Raiders could, can do this or at yeah. least, you know, stay close enough to where, you know, maybe they lose 23-20, but we still get the cover. All right. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, Josh Jacobs, by the way, uh, did not practice uh, on Thursday. It was more of a walkthrough session, so maybe don't read too far into that, but obviously got to keep an eye on his status. And the last thing I'll say on this game is the, the Colts are feast or famine when it comes to rushing, right? Like early in the season, they were putting up great rushing totals. A lot of those came you know, during the Anthony Richardson period, and, and that certainly helped. But really, since Gardner Minshew took over, they're either rushing for like 150 plus, and they look like one of the best rushing teams in the league, or they're doing absolutely nothing. Like it, it's been one or the other. So I, I don't know which one we get this week, but that could ultimately swing it. Either way, I think if we're getting the hook uh, with you on the Raiders, Panthers, Jags, battle the big cats down in Jacksonville. This is another noon game. I believe we have 10 noon games on New Year's Eve. Jags are six and a half point favorites. 38 is our total. Where do you think this line sits if it's CJ Beathard? Uh, because I think right now, you know, we're, we're still in a waiting period on Lawrence. Five, I think so. Yeah, four and a half, five. Because I mean, Lawrence just hasn't. He's been. It's crazy that he hasn't missed a game, or yeah, like missed any time really. Because you know, between the ankle, the concussion, now the shoulder, it's like how much can one man put? You know, like he should absolutely be wearing like the Ben Roethlisberger full body cast uh, dur during the week. Um, it's ridiculous. But and you know, we've talked about the the Jags sort of. It, even during their win streak, we were like, the, the, uh, there's something wrong with the offense. The offense isn't like hitting its stride really at all. And and um, I, I think that that continues. They're, they just seem to be kind of stuck in the mud. 
you hate betting on on the Panthers, and you wish that this was seven, so you could at least get a little bit of insurance if it, if it's a touchdown game. But my inclination is is to have the Panthers cover this one by six and a half. Yep, I'm with you, man. This is one of my favorite plays. I did the circuit video solo earlier today and spent like half the video talking about this game. I I love Carolina plus six and a half. I really do. Uh, they are three one and one against the spread since firing. Frank Reich. I don't know if that counts as a post-firing bump. I don't know if it's the schedule, uh, but I, I think this is a really bad spot for the Jags, even if Lawrence plays, right? I mean, we were we were all over the Bucks last week. I certainly didn't see it going as badly as it did for Jacksonville, but a lot of their issues, I, I don't think, are, are really curable week to week or even going to be curable before the playoffs if they even make it. They cannot run the ball. We, I, I cannot say that any more clearly. This team cannot run the ball. They're 31st in rushing EPA. They're like 0.002 away from being dead last. And it feels like they should be dead last. They've certainly been dead last. If you just isolate this four game losing streak, I don't think that changes against Carolina. Like they've played a variety of defenses, some good, some bad. It just doesn't matter. They're the worst run blocking team in the NFL right now. And look, I, I still think this is a much better team with Trevor Lawrence. I know he's taken a lot of heat. I know there's been a lot of, you know, do you give him the extension type of talk? Look, I, I watch this team. I'm as critical of this team as anybody. I still think Trevor Lawrence is the guy. I don't think he is the root of their issues. He hasn't played well. It's been disappointing. I still think he's like fifth if you're ranking all the things that are wrong with this team. Um, I, I don't think he has been the primary problem other than ball security. But when you can't run the ball, I, I don't care who your quarterback is. And especially when you're without your number two receiver in Christian Kirk, or really a guy who I think is, is more important than any other pass catcher for this team. Teams know you can't run. They're playing you as such. And that makes everything even more difficult. So the Jags had a lot of these problems when they were fully healthy. You know, we talked about that around like week 10, week 11. We're like, man, the Jags have had like no key injuries. And then it felt like all those injuries came at once. And now we're seeing the effect of, of what that could be. But I, I do still think Jacksonville could find a way to win this game. I would be pretty surprised if they lose straight up. If Lawrence plays, I think if Beathard plays, I would take Carolina to win. I, I think, I think it's that big of a downgrade, but I think, I think Jacksonville could win. I think Carolina could keep this to a field goal. I think it could look a lot like, last week against Green Bay, although I think it will be lower scoring. I, I think the Jags will do a better job defensively than Green Bay did. Right. So, you know, that that was that's becoming one of my favorite weekly occurrences on Twitter is um is Joe Barry. Joe yeah, Barry. Where, yeah, when when he's trending on Twitter, I'm like, I, I gotta see what the Packers are up to. Right. Other other people like other you know you as a fan of a team, you should know who your coordinators are. Other people should not know who your coordinators are. That's a bad thing if they know that. Yes, yes, and it's a it's a weekly occurrence now. So yes, I, I don't think it we we get close to sixty points in this one, um, but yeah, I think I think the Panthers keep this one close. I just think it, it's so clunky with with the Jags' offense right now that it's hard to hard to fully trust. And uh, I mean, the Panthers are obviously terrible on offense, but I think that like the defense plays well enough, holds uh, you know keeps the lid on the Jags, yeah. and and we see the Jags win this one like. Honestly, like 17-14 or something, 17-13. I feel the same way. Love Carolina. Uh, I also like the under 84.5 rushing plus receiving yards for Travis Etienne. I could see this, especially if it's Beathard, you could see it being a really high-volume day for Etienne. So I'm kind of staying away from the rushing prop. But Carolina, I was surprised to discover this. Number one in the NFL in terms of yards per reception, yards per target allowed to running backs. So I, I don't think this is a game where Etienne gets loose catching the ball out of the backfield. Obviously, I don't think it's a great spot for them on the ground. I mean, Carolina has been basically a slightly below league average defense all season. I think that's been lost in, in what's been such a disaster year for them. They've held three of their last five opponents well under 100 yards rushing in total. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 5-12 and 12 against the spread in his career versus sub-500 teams. Jags are 10-18 and 18 
ATS coming off of a straight-up loss in the Trevor Lawrence era. Obviously, a few of those have come in the last few weeks. Doug Peterson does not have a great record as a favorite, especially as a big favorite throughout his career. Uh, the Jags are just 2-5 and five against the spread at home this season. So I think a, a lot of metrics pushing us in favor of the Carolina Panthers. Let's go to Rams-Giants. Uh, this is a game that will take place in New Jersey. The Rams are six-point favorites on the road. 44-and-a-half is our total. I'm inclined to ride with the Rams here, John. I know it could be a trip-up spot. You know, the Giants covered last week against Philly. You know, needed a pick six to do so, but got some stops, forced some field goals uh, by that Philadelphia offense. I'm not not completely writing off the Giants. I think they, they to me, kind of feel like the Bears in some ways where they've, they've gained respectability uh, as the season goes along. They're not a good team. They're still on balance, a very bad team. Uh, but they're at least giving some teams trouble, some teams that are much more talented than them. But I think the Rams are rolling right now. I was impressed with how they played on Thursday night. They got the rest advantage here. And, you know, this is a obviously must-win game for the Rams to, to hold their position in the NFC wildcard chase. And, look, as long as Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Matthew Stafford are healthy, I mean, the, the Rams to me are a team that is much, much better than their record would imply. Yeah, they're they're legit. Uh, they're, they're, again, a scary team uh, coming down the stretch. I'm, I'm afraid of how much I like the Rams here because, uh, you know, I, I I like them pretty much up to a touchdown here, get them at six, good with that. Uh, the Giants, at the end of the day, they just have no offensive talent. And I, and I think that, like, their defense has definitely played better um, in, the, in the second half of the season. But even still, like, I don't think that's, like, the corner personnel – matches up particularly what not that any corner personnel does against Nakua and cup, but like, I think that's like uniquely uh, potentially a, a bad matchup for them. So uh, unless like the weather gods are, are extra cruel yeah. uh, on Sunday. And I think Stafford and the boys go in there and, and, and get this done I th- again. Like you said, this is a huge spot for them. The giants, you know, they're, are they not technically eliminated from the, from playoff contention? <laughs> uh, they are eliminated. They're out. Okay. Okay, they're Dunsies. Um, even yeah, so they're just playing out the thread. They got Tyrod Taylor starting. Give me the Rams. I like Tyrod. All due respect to Tyrod. I, I respect this team more with Tyrod Taylor than I do uh, with with Tommy DeVito. But nonetheless, yeah, not, not looking at over. a massive boost here. And uh, you know, in terms of you know, we mentioned the the rest advantage for the Rams having played on Thursday last week. Sean McVay thirteen and five against the spread in his career when he has the rest advantage over an opponent, Matthew Stafford, six and three against the spread against sub 500 teams at home in his career with the Rams. So we, we like LA here. I think getting this one, getting this one at six is key. I, I you could see this being a, you know, 23, 17 type of game. I, I don't, or 23, 16 type of game, 24, 17, whatever it may be. Um, but I think six is a friendly number. If it was at seven, probably stay away from me. Sure. Sure. But again, like you said, where this is locked, it's, I, yeah, I love the Rams here. Cardinals on the road at the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, 11-point favorites at home. Our total up at 48 and a half. I'll say it, John. I like watching the Cardinals. I like watching the Cardinals. They are, they are a respectable outfit. They are not a good team. They are, in my opinion, the worst defense in the NFL right now. I think this should be a very good spot for the Philadelphia Eagles offense to get back on track. I really like DeAndre Swift this week, uh, both in fantasy if you're still alive out there or if you're just you know looking at the betting market. Already played the over 67 and a half rushing yards. You know, Swift coming off of a 20 carry game against the Giants last week. I think we could see a similar formula against an overmatched defense. You do worry a little bit about Arizona scoring. You know, we mentioned the the high total. The question is, do they score enough to cover this? Because I don't think they're stopping the Eagles. Right. That that's that's the thing. Like I'm torn on this game because at once 
I don't trust Philly to to cover double digit spreads right now the way that they're playing, but the Cardinals might be the exception. Like getting the Cardinals at home, that Cardinals defense is so bad. So I mean, I, I think we're expecting like at least 30, 31 points for, from the Eagles. But their de- but their defense, the Eagles defense, has not been lights out by by any means um, over the last you know pretty much all season, you know, early on, everyone's like, they're so dominant and they're, they're just, they're not. Um, so yeah, you asked a key question. Can the Cardinals put up some points? And again, they're going to need to get into the twenties to do, to, um, to get this cover in all likelihood. And when I talk it out like that, I think they get there. I, I think the, the Cardinals get there. Give me, give me this game being 31, 21, uh, Eagles. I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, Marquise Brown, might miss another game. That could be big for the Cardinals passing game, but they, they've been able to run even on good defenses. You know, they put up some pretty yeah. big rushing totals. I think that's a concern for me uh, against this Eagles defense. I mean, just to, just to really hammer it home on Arizona, they are 31st in pressure rate. They are dead last in opponents. First downs given up. They are dead last in EPA per play. They are dead last in success rate on defense. So I, I do love the spot for Philly. Again, it's just a matter of can Arizona keep up Jalen hurts. Fantastic at home. We know that 18 and one straight up as a home favorite, 17, eight and one ATS at home in his career. Uh, I was looking up though, you know, some of the bigger spreads that he's faced at home. The Eagles have not covered the three biggest spread advantages they've had at home in the Jalen hurts era and Philly, you know, they're, they're above 500 team against the spread this season. They have not covered a number bigger than five and a half this season. Every time they faced a spread of six or higher, they've lost. Those games have come against the giants, the, uh, the commanders twice, the Vikings and the Jets. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching the Vikings one on your bachelor party. They didn't. They did not cover that, and we were all they mad. Sure didn't. They sure <laughs> didn't. And that's what we thought the Eagles were still a certified wagon. That was like week two, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. I like Philly to win this game. I like them to win it comfortably. I don't think they cover. I think it can look a lot like last week. That brings us to an NFC South matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers two and a half point favorites at home. Total is sitting at forty three. This is closer to a stay away for me than anything else, just because I, I don't like touching any of these NFC South teams when they're playing each other. But getting this at two and a half, John, uh, feels like we, we might be getting a deal here on Tampa. I f- it feels like it. I mean, you're, you're almost surprised that, that the line is is what it is, and you kind of would have expected, especially after last week, in the last couple of weeks, really, in, in the Buccaneers case, that that you know them being at home, this, this maybe looks closer to three and a half, uh, up to four. So it's two and a half. And that gives you a little bit of pause, but at the same time, I think that the the way I described it on the fantasy pod earlier is the Bucks are real ish, and I think the Saints are fake. Yeah. So give me the real, give me the Bucks. I, I think that um, you know th- this is a spot where they're playing confident that they're getting closer to, to uh, sealing up the division. Um, Baker Mayfield playing, you know, arguably the best football of his professional career which is wild. I, I think he's one of the better stories of, of the NFL this entire season because coming in, you know, we, I think we both kind of characterize teams like the Rams and the bucks is like, they, they're not awful, but what are they doing exactly? Right. Like they, they weren't going to be bad enough to, to be like in the tank zone, but they, they, we didn't think that they'd be good enough to be in the playoff hunt. Both of them are. And yeah, I, I think that this is a, uh, is an explosive offense for, for Tampa that it kind of is a reflection of Baker's personality. Just, Hey, we're, we're going for it. And then the, the defense is stout. It's strong. Um, I just don't think the saints have all that much going for them. And, and uh, I know they'll have the rest advantage, but no, nah, I like the bucks here. 
I like the Bucks as well. I mean, they've already won in New Orleans back in week four. That was a pretty dominant win for Tampa Bay, 26 to nine. Uh, they actually gave up a decent amount of yards in that game, which is fairly uncharacteristic. You know, State's got over 100 yards on the ground, but um, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's happening again. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense is is kind of rounding into form, and you still worry you still worry about the pass defense. I actually like this spot for Chris Olave. Uh, you know, there's some some indications that you know this could be a big game for him. I like the over on five catches. I also like the over on 70 and a half receiving yards, you know, but he's had big games a couple of times over these last couple of weeks. And it has not led to wins for the New Orleans Saints. You know, most recently on Thursday against the Rams had a big game against Detroit. They lost that one as well. Um, Tampa Bay is dead last in total yards allowed to receivers this season. They're 28th in yards per target to receivers, 24th in catch percentage. So that, that to me would be where they're vulnerable, but do you really trust Derek Carr to exploit that? I'm going to raise my hand and say, I do not. Buccaneers have allowed 200 total rushing yards over the last three games to Atlanta, Green Bay, and Jacksonville. I think that probably continues this week. I don't like this as a spot for New Orleans to get the ground game going. And again, if you're asking Derek Carr to win you a game single-handedly, good luck. He's just not that guy. One final question for you, John. What's the Saints' best win on the season? Here, here are their wins. Tennessee, Carolina, New England, Indy, Chicago, Carolina, the Giants. Um, in... In hindsight, it's Indy, but you know that Indy wasn't uh, like no one believed that Indy would, would be in the playoff hunt at right. this stage back then. So it didn't. I th- I think that's it, but that's not a not a great list uh, that that you just put out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me the Bucks minus two and a half. We're locking that one in. Quick reminder that it is football season still at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game from college to the pros, and you can catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including everything from cozy daybeds to private temperature-controlled cabanas. Stadium Swim, located at Circa Resort and Casino. It's open 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. You can book your stay today at CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. Five more games, John. We'll try to breeze through these a little bit more quickly. Niners are on the road at the Commanders. They are 12 and a half point road favorites. Very simply, is this is this almost too obvious of a taking out our frustrations bounce back spot for the Niners? It it is, but I think it's you know obvious in in like the good way. Like it's too obvious to even be a trap. It it yeah. it, it, it goes that far beyond. I, I think you know Washington gave up what it gave up to the freaking jets last week. Like what, what do you think they're going to do against a furious 49ers team that, that has McCaffrey Debo Kittle all firing Brandon Ayuk looking good. Uh, Brock Purdy probably going to want to, you know, put last week behind him and there's no home field advantage to speak of when it comes to this Washington team. It's, it's literally diff- just the turf. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. So knocking on wood that, that everyone makes it out of there. Okay. But yeah, I, I I think the Niners just go ahead and not necessarily like it pr- doesn't prove that last week is a, is a blip or anything, but they, they get the stink off of them, at least for for a little bit heading into into week 18 against the Rams. So, yeah, I think this is this is a spot where Washington kind of gets steamrolled. Niners have already won eight games this season by at least 16 points. They have 10 wins by at least 10 points uh, and they need to keep their foot on the gas, right? I mean, losing last week means that all of a sudden the one seed is somewhat up for grabs in the NFC and, and San Francisco needs to win out to hang on to that. So I don't think there's any, any motivational concern. And I think you said it right. It's an obvious bounce back spot for a reason. I mean, they're, 
they're not losing this game. They're they're coming in, you know, angry. I, I think this is still a fully healthy, for the most part, 49ers team that is going to exert its will on a commander's defense that is jockeying week to week with the Cardinals to be the worst in the NFL. And not to take anything away from your boys last week, John, Niners still put up 6.3 yards per play. They were over seven yards per play early in the fourth quarter before things you know devolved a little bit with Darnold coming in. Uh, you know, they had five turnovers, they had 10 penalties, a lot of things went against them, but it was a disaster game in terms of the turnovers. It wasn't really a disaster game in terms of moving the ball. Like they still showed a lot of what we'd expect from the 49ers just couldn't finish off drives because they kept handing the ball over to Baltimore. But uh, I think a lot of the underlying numbers would imply that that's just a blip. And there's no team that you'd want to face more on the road right now than the commanders. I I love the spot for San Francisco. Also love the over 86 and a half rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this could be one where he, he goes over that with like a 75 yard run and then like a 15 yard carry right after that. And you're just good in the first quarter. I also like the over 57 and a half receiving yards for Debo Samuel. I don't know if there's anything else to say about this Washington defense. Yeah. Load up on your props for, for the Niners that this week, Debo, when he had, when Marlon Humphrey was like screaming at him with like a clear shot, nails him and then bounces Dude, that was off insane. him. Like <laughs> that, the man is strong. The man is uh, outrageous. He's strong. He's, strong. Uh, he's resistant. He he is so strong. Uh, they even put him back on a, on a kickoff when when they needed him to, and that was like his best thing that he did at South Carolina. Like he was like yeah. the best kick returner in, in college football. People people forget that, but um, that was that was awesome. But yeah, either way, Niners uh, cruise here. Yep, we like that one. Steelers Seahawks. This one's in Seattle. Uh, Seahawks are three and a half point favorites at home. Our total is forty one. Oh, this is a confounding game for me, John. Do we trust anything we saw from Mason Rudolph last week? Do we trust the Seahawks to take care of business at home? I don't know the answer to either of these questions. I'm inclined to default to Mike Tomlin on this one. Um, I I picked the the Bengals last week, and I even wrote in my article, it's like, man, if there was ever a backs against the wall, how the hell did Mike Tomlin pull this one out type of game, this would be it. I went against my own writing and took the Bengals anyway. And we, we got Tomlin. We got Rudolph last week. Uh, at, at the same time, it was kind of a worst case scenario game for the Bengals, you know, worst case scenario game for Jake Browning. I, I think if Jake Browning doesn't throw that first pick in the end zone, even if they just get a field goal on that drive, it plays out differently. But I think the Bengals panicked after that. Uh, everything went the Steelers way. You know, you get two 65 plus yard touchdowns from George Pickens for an offense that has not been able to generate big plays whatsoever this season. I, I'm, I'm a little bit wary of, of getting sucked into what we saw last week from Pittsburgh, but I also don't know if we trust the Seattle team. I, I, I'm hoping you have a stronger lean than I do on this game. I think that the number is is what's standing out to me. Like I, I think um, you know, with this being three and a half, I think that I think the Seahawks win, but they don't cover. Like I, okay. I and and this bakes in the potential. Like it wouldn't shock you, right? If the, if the Steelers won this game straight up, I mean the the offense they're they're not going to hit the same level of big plays, obviously, but. Um, you can feel good about the fact that it's not Kenny Pickett or yeah. Mitchell Trubisky back there. Right. So um, I think there is something to, to be said for that. Um, you still have a good run game back there too. I think, yeah, I, it's not like I'm saying that I trust Mason more than, more than Gino in, in this spot. And, and obviously Seattle, like both these teams need this game in a big way and Seattle being at home, tough place to play on if you're on the road, but Three and a half. I, I think the Steelers find a way to 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 squeak in the cover. Not sure if they if they win, but um, yeah, I, I like Pittsburgh here. It's very fitting that each of the last two Seahawks games have ended twenty to seventeen because I feel like that's what this game is going to be a 27 to, 20 to seventeen game that the Seahawks probably find a way to win. 
that's like half of their wins this season. It feels like have come on the final possession. And this could be another one of those spots. Seattle has very quietly been horrendous against the run of late. And I know you don't think of Pittsburgh as a great running team by any means, but maybe this is a spot where you could get Najee Harris and Jalen Warren going. I mean, last five games, they've allowed 169, 136, 173, 178, and even 162 to the Titans last week. Like it's one thing if you're doing that against Dallas and, and the 49ers and the Eagles, but I, it was pretty concerning to me how that defense played and the fact that they were in the spot that they were late, you know, needing to, to get that final drive uh, in order to beat a pretty bad Tennessee team. And look, I, I think to me, Tennessee and Pittsburgh are very similar teams. And you know, again, you don't want to oversimplify it. I know they were on the road, kind of a weird spot. Uh, like Seahawks Titans are two teams. You know, there's a few of those games every year where like, have they ever played? I can't even picture right. these teams playing each other. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think the Steelers are a very similar team to Tennessee in a lot of ways. And I think Seattle's not a team that blows, they don't blow teams out, right? They had the, the one big win over Detroit uh, earlier in the season. And that, even that wasn't a blowout. I mean, they allowed 31 points. They put up 37, but in general, unless they're playing a really bad team, you know, like the New York giants early on, everything is close. And I, I think they'll let, they'll let the Steelers hang around. I, I absolutely do as well. And, and that, that's a really good detail on the, on the rushing part, because if, if Mason Rudolph is at least competent and then Warren and Harris are having a good game, like that, this could get pretty dicey for Seattle. Bengals chiefs. As we make our way through the late window on New Year's Eve, uh, Chiefs still getting some respect, John. They are seven-point favorites at home. Total is 44. We know what happened to the Chiefs last week. They were 10-point favorites against the Raiders. Obviously lost that game straight up. I don't even know what else to say about KC at this point. I mean, everything that we've been questioning of like, all right, when will they snap out of this? Like, you know, Mahomes, like at some point, he's just going to pull them out. I mean, Mahomes looks lost to me. I feel bad for Patrick Mahomes, which is not something you say too often about a multi-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl winner. I feel bad for him. I, he, he's in his like LeBron 2018 Cavs mode right now where you're you, like, I, I'm still not picking against the Chiefs. You know, I'm not saying they're, they're just out of this mix by any means. Like in a one game playoff scenario, I still think Mahomes can be Mahomes and, and kind of will you to wins. But this is getting really, really concerning, man. And, you know, I mean, how many... How many drives uh, against the Raiders ended with like, all right, third and eight, Mahomes. He always finds Travis Kelsey wide open in these situations. And there's Mahomes like just throwing it basically into the ground 15 yards downfield because the receiver didn't turn around or somebody ran the wrong route. Like there's just, there's such a mess. And like it, the drops were not the issue last week. You know, I think that's been the number one cliche thing to focus on with the Chiefs is, oh, the receivers can't catch. Not only can they not catch, but they're, they're not even on the same page with their quarterback. No, like it's a, it's a terrible, like it was hubris to go into the season with, like why why they didn't sign DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I mean that that's something that you know could ultimately like you know they're going to look back on this year and and really kick themselves for yeah. almost anybody. I mean like they they found Rasheed Rice in the draft, but there's nothing else that good that you can say about the, this group of pass catchers right now. And I think the cliff is here for Travis Kelsey, unfortunately. And and uh, so yeah, it's it's hard to to trust the Chiefs as is and uh, Mahomes not being what we're used to seeing Mario was making this point earlier. Remember Andy Reed's perception before Mahomes got there. I mean, like love Andy Reed and all, but he wasn't always like the greatest in game coach. And yeah. there, there were some bad clock management and sequencing uh, moments. Uh, I thought against the rate, like he, he was making the point that basically Antonio Pierce went into Arrowhead and out coached Andy okay. Reed that. So that's a concern. Uh, and, and, you know, Zach Taylor is no, is no pushover as far as that, that is concerned. Uh, you basically the only way I see uh, the, the chiefs covering this one is if Browning continues to 
pumpkinify himself a, a, as the season goes on. And and uh, looks like Jamar Chase, I think, should be available here. So that that certainly adds some firepower um, to that Bengals offense. And they were, you know, they were clicking with Browning, uh, you know, Sands, uh, or until Chase was out last week. So I. I don't know, man. I, I think the Bengals at seven points. Like, do you really trust the Chiefs against a, no. a competent Bengals team with, by more than a touchdown at this point? No. No, I, I don't think that one week fix is coming. You know, it's this has been going on for half the season at this point. More, maybe yeah, more it's than almost half over. The season, right? You know, it's like if you rewind back to weeks, what week five, week six, uh, maybe even a little bit later is when we really started to get concerned. You know, I. I would have told you then, like, all right, yeah, it, it's still not a one-week fix, but it's something over the course of two months. You know, I, I would have said, look, by the time we get to week 17, I think we'll feel better about the Chiefs. I, I think they'll get this thing figured out. And not only have they not figured it out, but it, it seems worse. It's getting worse week to week. They have not found any answers whatsoever. So I, I think the Chiefs win this game, but this is yet another Chiefs win but don't cover situation for me. We've, we've talked about a few games that we feel uh, could finish in that fashion. And you know, my prediction in my article was Chiefs 24, Bengals 20. I, it, the Chiefs don't really run away from teams anymore. I, I don't think that's happening. And look, unless we get a second straight disaster game from Jake Browning, which is possible, right? I mean, Aiden O'Connell had zero passing yards for three quarters. Like that, that's the other thing that I, I think is insane about this game. Like, it's not like, it's not like the Raiders showed up to Arrowhead and played the game of their lives. You know, this wasn't like a, a Chargers Raiders game where every single break is going the Raiders way. The Raiders didn't even play well and easily beat the Chiefs. They were up two scores yeah. for basically the entire game. They had 205 yards of total offense. They were three of 12 on third downs. They ran 22 fewer plays than the Chiefs. Aiden O'Connell had zero passing yards for three straight quarters, and, and yet they won this game handily. It's crazy to me. I, I, again, I, I'm i not writing off the Chiefs, but I, I think the Bengals, especially if Chase is back, I think we get a close game. And like, I don't think you could even be shocked if the Bengals win this game straight up. No, I, I wouldn't be. Uh, something is amiss in Kansas yeah. City. Too many burn ends. Chargers Broncos is our Sunday late window game. Uh, I'm throwing up my hands here. I'm, if you're watching live, I'm physically throwing my hands up. Broncos are pivoting to Jared Stidham. Uh, it sounds like this has been brewing for a while. They literally cannot afford Russell Wilson getting hurt. <laughs> so it is going to be Stidham time. My guess is that Sean Payton would have liked to make this move a while ago. There's a reason they gave him a high dollar contract to be a backup quarterback. I think they actually you know, believe in Jared Stidham and, and want to give him a shot. I think they would have liked to give him more than two games at the end of the season. We saw Stidham, you know, play fairly well, uh, you know, some ups, some downs last year at the end for, for the Raiders. I still think it's a drop off, right? There's a reason this number moved like it did uh, once that, uh, you know, once that Russell Wilson move was announced, Broncos are now three and a half point favorites. Our totals at 37. I don't know what to expect here. Like, neither team should want to win this game. Yeah. I think I'm on the Broncos. Um, Stidham did look actually pretty good. Um, I, I thought la last year and uh, towards the end of the year with, with the Raiders. So I think there's something there. I mean, it's a good uh, core of offensive players that, that the Broncos have. We, we had said for years that they were a quarterback away that that still rings true. Um, I don't, I don't know if Stidham's any, you know, semblance of a long-term solution, but it seems like the rust time in Denver is coming to an end. I would love to see him in Pittsburgh personally, but um, let's see. Yeah. That I, the Chargers covering the number last week. It is what it is. I, I don't find that there's there's still much in in the way of uh, needs to to believe in them or reasons to. Um, you know, it's not like Stick is going to take the, this massive jump forward in this game. It, it it's it's tough to trust Stidham with, with more than a field goal. So I think that's the only real rationale for right. for backing the Chargers here. But 
So it's a tricky number. I think it's a stay away for for the card purposes. But um, if I had to pick a side, I, I'll I'll ride with the Broncos. I think it's possible that they look better with Stidham just because they, like, are they willing to open things up? Right. I mean, they've been playing this ultra conservative style with Russell Wilson basically because they had to. And now that, you know, the playoffs are off the table, which is funny because they're not actually eliminated. You know, it's like, usually you'd wait to make this move until the math actually says you're out, but the Broncos are like, hell no, we can't risk it. I, I think, you know, I would, I would like to see them play a little bit different style than they have over the last, you know, 15 weeks with Russell Wilson, like open things up, see what you can do. Don't be so conservative. And, you know, I, I think that opens that opens you up to a lot of variants. It could be more negative than positive. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, I, this is not an, a, just a normal, you know, random backup quarterback where you're just tossing in there like, hey, Jim Boyle, go, let's see what we got here. Like, I, I think this is somebody they actually want to get a look at. I think they will open things up. I think they'll, they'll play to his strengths in, in ways that they kind of weren't able to with Russell Wilson. So there's a, a chance. A little bit of a parallel. A little bit of a Cleveland parallel. Like you have this really expensive quarterback that right. nobody likes. And you get, just turn it over to a guy and just let him whip it. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. I mean, the, the other question is, do the Chargers, does the Chargers defense show up like it did last week against Buffalo? Um, and, you know, this is another one, somewhat of a false final, right? Like Buffalo is at 6.4 yards per play. They vastly outgained the Chargers, even in terms of total yards, despite running 12 fewer plays. Uh, you know, obviously the turnovers were, were kind of the main thing that sunk Buffalo at the fumble, uh, you know, on the punt and all that. But yeah, the Chargers, I, I thought, played a pretty respectable game. You know, I, I think holding Buffalo to 24 in that spot, uh, getting some luck on, on their side. You know, James Cook, 20 for 70. That was not how I saw that going whatsoever. No. Another low-volume day for Josh Allen. Um, I, do we trust the Chargers to do that two games in a row? I would say probably not. I, I don't. Uh, okay. I think that, you know, that that was not a, not a last gasp necessarily, but, like, mm. some these are paid professionals. Like, sometimes they, they are going to play well. That brings us, John to our Sunday night game, Packers on the road at the Vikings. This number is all over the place. Vikings are one-point favorites at DraftKings. They're one-and-a-half-point favorites at FanDuel. BetMGM's got the Packers as one-point favorites. PointsBet uh, has this as Vikings by .5. The reason for this is Jaron Hall is taking over. And before we got that news, John, I really liked Minnesota. Uh, you know, Nick Mullins' variance aside, four picks last week aside, I thought this was a great spot to take advantage of the worst coach defense in the NFL and a defense that will not have Jair, Jair Alexander, who was suspended for making himself a captain. I think that's the first time in sports history that's ever happened. The Packers defense is a mess. It's a complete mess. And I'm, I'm surprised the Vikings are making this move this week specifically, because I, I think, I think with Nick Mullins, this is a very, very beatable Packers secondary. And maybe it is with Jaron Hall. We just, we just don't know. Uh, but for me, there is now, there's enough unknown on the Minnesota side that I'm probably staying away. If not leaning green Bay. Yeah, th this is tough. I, I think Jaron Hall might actually be a little something. I think he could have a career in this league. I don't, I don't know if he's like a long-term starter or anything, but um, he's they wouldn't be making this move with, with like, you know, the playoffs on the line if they didn't believe in him uh, and his ability to run this offense, or at the very least, not Mullins it up, not, not throw it to the other team four times. Um, so looking for that, I think I think Ty Chandler is, is running well uh, for, for his part. Will be interesting to see with, with no Hawkinson. You know, you don't really have that security blanket anymore, which you love to have if you if you're on your backup quarterback. You want someone that's a reliable target closer to the line of scrimmage. But um, yeah, so that that led to far more KJ Osborne questions in the fantasy show than I care to ever look at again. Good God! Um, it's like, did, how are you in the finals if you're talking about KJ Osborne? What 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 happened? Um, but, Shut up. 
<laughs> cool. What? No, <laughs> no, I love my listeners and viewers, but um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of this game now. I'm, I'm pretty down on the Packers. I, I found myself being so up on them going into that Giants game and for them to lose the time and DeVito like that, it's sort of just put the put them on my like, I, I don't want to deal with you people anymore type of thing. You know, they've still played pretty well on offense. And that, that's the thing. I mean, they put up, they needed to get to 33 to beat the Panthers. That's what's worrisome. <laughs> like, I, I don't right. think if, if you're not watching the Packers week in and week out, like, like I am here in Wisconsin, like people know the Joe Barry narrative, like it is bad. Bad, bad. You know, the schemes are worse than you could ever imagine. Like, we we might see Preston Smith one-on-one with Justin Jefferson this weekend. Who knows? <laughs> Who's going to cover him? I don't know. Uh, I, I, the Jair thing to me is not that big of a deal. I, I don't think he's been nearly as impactful as people would think. He's, you know, a much bigger name than he is a producer at this point. I, I think he's kind of like a worse Jalen Ramsey. And I would be surprised if he's on this roster next year. I, I think those two sides are, are just not matches, and he's probably somewhere else next season. Who knows if he's even back for Week 18. At this point, this has been brewing behind the scenes for a long time. Uh, but it really just comes down to, for me, your confidence in Jaron Hall, because I think the Vikings are the vastly better defense. I think they have the better skill position players. They're healthier right now. You know, Green Bay has been getting healthier and they should get, uh, you know, should get Jade Reed back this week. That should be big. Um, you know, we'll see on Christian Watson. He did not practice today. Could be looking at another absence there. Aaron Jones limited once again, I think he will end up playing. Um, but if Jaron Hall, like you said, if Jaron Hall can just avoid the mistakes, he doesn't have to be great. Uh, you know, we saw him, ironically, like the game that he played the most was against Green Bay when Kirk Cousins got hurt earlier this season. And they just asked him to game manage. Like they were like, all right, just literally don't fumble and don't throw any picks and we're going to win this game because we're up two scores. And that's exactly what happened. And Green Bay had chance after chance after chance to come back and, and make that a game. And they couldn't do it against the Vikings defense that is better now than it was earlier in the season. So I, I could really see this going either way. Obviously it means a lot to both teams. They essentially both need to win. It's kind of a loser goes home match uh, in terms yep. of who's going to be hanging around for one of those wild card spots. And both teams still need help to get into the postseason field. I it, gone to my head. I would take green Bay just because I, I think there's a better chance that it goes badly with hall than, than it goes well, but I, I could be convinced either way. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a sensible kind of landing spot for this one is like, you know, who has the better quarterback adv- yeah. advantage. It, it is the Packers. So that makes sense. It, they could even the score on the, on the uh, division <clears throat> division series. Uh, Cause the Vikings won that first matchup. Yeah. So that's when the Packers were playing really bad. They're playing really bad again. Oh my gosh. It, it, I can't do it. I, I, I can't pick one for this game. If I absolutely had to, I'll, I'll side with the Packers. But God, okay. we're uh, not putting it on the card. Bad. We'll say it right now. No. I'm looking straight to the camera. We are not playing this in the circuit contest. I could guarantee that. Parlay, teaser, and best bets of the week. John, I will give you my parlay. We're, we're just taking spreads here. We're taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus two and a half. We're taking the Carolina Panthers plus six and a half. We're taking the Houston Texans. Minus five and a half. That gets you to plus five eighty one at the DK Sportsbook. Okay, I, I like I like where your head's at with those, and I'm gonna do you one better on on the um, on the Buccaneers. So I'm I'm giving a, an alt, giving an alt spread. Bucks minus four and a half. That get that pays out plus one twenty three. Bears minus three against the Falcons. Raiders money line plus one sixty. Uh, that that pays out just a little bit over ten to one. There we go. Love that. All right. Almost doubling up. Just right. Piling right on. I love it, John. We're going with the seven point teaser for the teaser of the week. Uh, we are going to involve the Carolina Panthers. We're going to give ourselves a little more wiggle room just in case things go awry. Uh, we're teasing the Panthers from six and a half up to 13 and a half. We are teasing the Cincinnati Bengals from plus seven to plus 14 on the road at Arrowhead. And we are teasing the San Francisco 49ers down from 12 and a half 
to five and a half. So that is the seven point teaser for week 17. That might be my favorite teaser you've come up with this whole year. That that feels great. It's a teaser friendly week, right? Uh, yeah, I would have liked to get Cincinnati maybe slightly ahead of 14. But again, I, I, I like them to cover at seven. So you yes. know, both, really, all these are games that I like at the current number. And I'm like, you know, let's just let's just buy ourselves an extra touchdown here just in case. Uh, beautiful. I love it. My best bet of the week. I'm going with the Houston Texans. I'm taking the Houston Texans. I'm a little wary of taking the Panthers. That would be number two for me. I actually made that my best bet in my article this week, but I like to diversify a little bit. And I, I just feel really bad piling on the team uh, that I want to win so desperately in Jacksonville. So I'm trying to like, just some like reverse, reverse juju, if that makes sense, where I'm, I'm picking <laughs> against them, but I don't want to quite lock it. Uh, hoping that, you know, something that makes it way down to Jacksonville and, and they get wind of it. But I'm taking the Texans. Uh, that one actually right now, the DraftKings Sportsbook is sitting at four by the way. Uh, so a little bit of movement there. Uh, you know, when we were talking about an hour ago, it was at five and a half and I'm seeing now the updated number at four uh, on the DraftKings mm-hmm. website. So if we can take it at four, we're taking it at four. I think Houston takes care of business here. There it is, man. I I, I think so too. The, the quarterback advantage and, and uh, you know, the recent history between the two of them, this being Houston at home. Yeah. I think that that's the right way. All right. What about you? What are you locking up? <sighs> I woke up feeling dangerous, Nick. Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus two and a half. There we go. Let's ride. There we go. All right. We are locking up the Texans and we are locking up the Buccaneers. Uh, Just I how I we drew it up. Yeah, I don't think I would have locked up either of those teams if you had asked me coming into the season. Like, you know, what, what team would you be locking in week 17? Probably not those two. I'll tell you that. But it's hard not to feel good about how Tampa's playing, man. Um, you know, I, you're waiting for the bubble to inevitably burst on Baker. And it's going to happen at some point. I just like... New Orleans is not good. New Orleans is not good. We've we read all their wins. They have not beaten a good team all year. No. And, uh, you know, th- it's not often that the Bucs have a coaching advantage. They do this week. <laughs> they do. They might have had one last week, too, against Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that. But, all right, good stuff all around, man. Uh, looking forward to to playing out the parlays. Uh, Going to be at the Pato Sportsbook uh, this weekend, throwing in some bets. I know you'll be doing your usual uh, football betting this weekend as well. Oh, I yeah. hope everybody enjoyed the holidays. We appreciate everybody who listens along, who watches us live on YouTube and on Twitter. Go check out CircleLasVegas.com. They got the big game, big game party uh, coming up for a certain big football game in early February, uh, which we cannot say the name of uh, when talking about this. But you know what it is. Go book it, CircleLasVegas.com. Uh, always a really fun time out there. I know you were just there the other night, John. You could confirm the 143-foot diagonal screen is still there. I saw it. It's big. It's still big. It's as big as I remembered. Maybe even bigger. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.